The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us today. My name is Ken Swanson. This is the AP Laboratory. It's a mailbag edition kicking off your week. Uh, I, we got a lot of questions to get through. We're going to do three episodes. You're going to hear from us this week, this week three times. You're going to hear the mailbag today. Later in the week, I believe on Wednesday, you're going to hear another positional preview discussion that we did on the cornerback position last week. We're going to do the interior offensive line this week. And then on Friday, the AP Draft Show is returning You'll hear from all of us. You'll hear from Jake Stack as well. We are very excited to be kicking that thing off. And, and you'll probably hear some more draft-related uh, announcements possibly this week. Uh, here to help me answer all your questions. First, find him on Twitter at Chief in Carolina. Maddie, I checked today. And the Kansas City Chiefs are Super Bowl champions still. No way. That, that's happened. That's a real thing. I it did is. not believe this is like the, I don't know, like 21st day. That I woke up feeling like a champion, even though it's, you know, whatever. We're just going to move on by that. So, here's <laughs> the thing. I could not be more excited to hear that sweet, sweet Arrowhead Pride draft show, draft music intro Woo. on Friday. And I know you guys are just as excited. We'll get, we will have a lot of draft content coming at you guys. I think we all know how excited I am for that. I think the rest of the guys are on board. We've all celebrated our Super Bowl <laughs> victory. I think Craig Stout, our third buddy here, find him on Twitter at Barley Hop, is still celebrating his Super Bowl victory. Yes? I don't I don't, I don't think that I've successfully celebrated it yet, honestly. I, I, <laughs> I'm still reeling from everything over the last two and a half weeks or so. I It has not registered at all. I haven't fully celebrated yet. I, I was joking with these guys in the Slack chat for Arrowhead Pride that, uh, that it's going to be about mid-June that it's going to hit me. And all I'm going to want to talk about is how the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. So look forward to that. I, I'm going to bring that energy in June. I like uh, I like that like Craig is finally catching up on an article about spags and three key defensive plays finally like today and I think it really I think it was out like a week and a half ago. <laughs> yeah, it's a good yeah. article. I was like, oh, hey, I remember that. <laughs> you should uh, you should read Craig's work. He's got a he's got a spags article coming this week on Arrowhead Pride. All right, it's time to jump into the mailbag questions. We are going to start with the five star review questions that we've got recently. If you like the show, if you like the podcast channel. Feel free to subscribe, leave a five-star review. If you have to ask a question, uh, we're getting around to trying to answer those now uh, that you know the, the playoffs are over. Zach Tuttle asks, in what situation could we land Josh Norman? Do we even want him? And do you think a Super Bowl champion team can rejuvenate his career? 
I think at this point, Josh Norman is mostly a name. Uh, he's an older guy. He hasn't had good seasons for a little while now. I, if there's a team that could get the most out of him, I do think that Spagnolo could, but I, I would just worry that if they added Josh Norman, they might feel comfortable, kind of like the Mo Claiborne situation where they're just kind of, kind of sit back on their laurels after that. I, I don't think that he's probably worth the salary that he's going to ask for at this point. Our PLM Forever asks, Rant, Maddie, Craig, thanks for what you do. <laughs> well, first question, any good takes on current practice squatters becoming contributors? I'm curious about Tim Ward and Darius Harris, but would enjoy anything on the underdogs, McGuire, Fortson, Felton, uh, Felton Davis, etc. Let's just answer that one because we got a lot of questions to get to. Um, so for me, I do think you should keep an eye on Mike Weber. I the, the Chiefs have a lot of running backs in the mix already. They've already got six under contract. And I think that's 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 pretty telling. I'm not sure that they're going to go running back in the draft because of all the pieces that they're trying to just churn through to try to find, you know, guys to stick back there. Mike Weber from Ohio State. I gave him a a a, a day 3 grade. I think an earlier day 3 grade too. Um, and I thought he was a pretty productive player last year. I was kind of surprised that he uh, was available. Uh, and I think the Chiefs would be a, a good fit for him. Uh, if the Chiefs, if the Chiefs, you know, if he if he has a good spring and all that stuff, a good post and a good July, you could see him on this football team. I think Darius Harris is interesting for me. I do think the Chiefs, and I do think other teams around the league were a little bit interested in him, but. That's not where I'm going to go with this one. I actually like Felton Davis. I like Felton Davis quite a bit. I think he was still working back. I believe it was from an Achilles injuries during the, going into the last offseason. And he still looked pretty good. Like he went out there, he made a couple plays, but he just brings something a little different to this Chiefs offense. He's a little bit bigger. He's lean, but he's a little bit taller, got a little bit more muscle. He really excels kind of at the catch point using his body, big get position, box guys out, make plays like that. That's something the Chiefs are missing and they'll be missing even more if Sammy Watkins is cut or traded or if they just can't find a way to keep him next year. So I think just based on the pure size profile, he's a guy to keep an eye on. And another guy not really fitting in the practice squad thing, but John Lovett, I do think is going to make a lot more waves next year. I do think he's a guy that will see the field, not might, but actually will. So he's just another guy that didn't get any run this year to keep an eye on. These two kind of talked about Tim Ward and Darius Harris uh, a couple weeks ago when I had to bounce. Uh, I like Tim Ward a lot. Tim Ward is an athlete, and he does not know how to play football yet. He's still learning the game. He's got that Spags length. He's got a little bit of explosion. He's got power. We've seen what Steve Spagnuolo and Brendan Daly could do with Tano Passigno this year, who was a similar guy that was an athlete that maybe struggled with the football side. If you are able to get another smart guy in Tim Ward up to speed, if you can get some contribution out of him as well, you can keep kind of churning these athletes out here and, you know, get some later round guys with some upside and be able to get, you know, four or five sacks as an interior guy, as a defensive end. I'd really look forward to seeing Tim Ward on this team next year. As we currently sit, I think the Chiefs are looking at having their best 90-man roster that they've ever had. They continue to do a fantastic job giving themselves a lot of options on the bottom of their roster and a lot of competition, and I love it. I think that's a huge credit to Brett Veach. Swanson's Buffont, another five-star review question. After the Terrell Suggs experience, do you think a veteran can be talked into joining us for cheap uh, that that might be ring hunting. Uh, example: Sean Lee, Larry Fitzgerald, Greg Olson. 
But absolutely. The Chiefs are probably the number one team for especially offensive free agents coming about. But after seeing Terrell Suggs, how he was able to help this team, what the Chiefs defense was able to pull off, I don't think you can rule out defensive players either. I mean, the Chiefs are going to be the number one team on a lot of guys' free agent list. So that's going to be happening, whether they're cut off season, in the season. The Chiefs will get discounts from guys that just want rings 100%. It's just a matter of, do the Chiefs want that many veterans? Terrell Suggs did come in after a wave of injuries. It wasn't like they actively seeked him out to pay him a lot of money. He became available when they really needed a guy. The Chiefs haven't been huge on getting older players on their roster, especially for anything more than a year. So it's something to keep an eye on, but I'm just not sure how many old guys they do want to bring in. All right, let's go ahead and jump into the Twitter questions now. We got our, our guy, Nate CH 479 asks, if we're looking to repeat next year and trade Chris Jones, talk about your level of trust in the coaching staff to get people up to par uh, for, a quick, uh, for another run. Can they talk about the assistant coaches on both sides of the ball, please? I mean, you saw it this year. I, the article that's coming out this this week is kind of a love letter to Steve Spagnolo and what he was able to do with a limited, you know, kind of the year here. He didn't get a lot of the guys that he wanted. He had to piecemeal some of this together. He was able to get his all-star assistant coaching staff, and we saw that they produced at a crazy high level. Brendan Daly had those guys very prepared in the Monday morning quarterback article that posted last week. Terrell Suggs talked about all of the screen game that they worked on and his ability to identify something saved a touchdown. You go a little further, they talked about how Matt House was able to identify that the way that the 49ers were running their RPOs that game and they made an adjustment at halftime to take that away. And we know that Stan, Sam Madison and Dave Merritt did their jobs because they got a ton out of a very minimal investment in the secondary. So I feel like if there's any coaching staff that can get the most out of these guys, you've already seen it on a quick turn. Now you're going to have year two for a lot of these guys. It's only going to be better. I have ultimate faith in this coaching staff. There's absolutely no reason that you shouldn't have faith in all these guys to really get guys going, whether you can kind of look and pick any position here, really. And I think you're going to be set up for success going forward. I think one guy that caught a lot of flack early on in his career was Andy Heck. I think he's done a pretty good job. He's taken some pretty broken in terms of technique and just confidence level offensive linemen and turned them into at least quality, if not higher players. I know LDT has kind of been a little bit of a whipping boy for some Chiefs fans, but he was serviceable for a while. He still was not so bad that he cost the Chiefs a Super Bowl victory. They won a Super Bowl with him. And if anyone remembers his first couple years in the league, that seems absolutely incredible. It's like Andy Heck's a guy, and it's a position that he's working with the offensive line that does need some turnover. I think he's a guy that could really help them sustain this for a long time because not only does they need improvement, but that also keeps Patrick Mahomes and all of his weapons healthy. So I kind of think that's where you're going to see a guy produce. He's going to get Martinez Rankin looking better. Maybe Nick Allegretti comes up. Austin Ryder looks a little bit better. Just He's in the position to make a lot of big difference going into next year, whether it's with guys currently on the team or younger guys coming in. I think you could see a difference despite not a lot of turnover happening on the offensive side of the ball. I'm going to take it a little bit different here. I just want to reiterate, the Chiefs can win a Super Bowl without Chris Jones. 1,000%. They can undoubtedly make up for the loss of Chris Jones if they Oh, yeah, I ignored that part because that's clear. I'm just telling you, it's this group, 
you, you look what's going to happen. They're going to get more time. They're not going to have that that run that lead into playing good football. They're going to be playing good football quicker next year as a, as a unit. The guys like Juan Thornhill, Tyron Matthew, another year under their belt in this in this defense. Um, you know, there's going to be better communication. There's going to be more that they can throw at people, and there's going to be injections of talent at all three levels of the defense. They're going to add talent to make up for the loss of a guy like Chris Jones. They're going to be just fine. I promise you, they're, they'll, they'll be in the same. They'll, they'll be in the in the in the mix again. Uh, Schweb twenty nine. If you could add any player from the XFL to the Chiefs roster, who would it be, Maddie? Marquette King, because Colquitt makes a little bit too much money, and I love Marquette King's trash talk. If you don't know me, and you don't think. If you don't think I'm going Arian, I'm not going Arian Springs here. You are mistaken. Arian Springs for life. Rest in peace, the dream. Yeah. Uh, if I haven't had a moment to watch the Super Bowl again, I ain't wasting my time <laughs> on terrible XFL football. I'm sure it's fun. I haven't watched a single second, so I couldn't tell you who is even playing in the league right now. Marquette Dude, King. Bring, bring in PJ. BJ, bring in PJ Walker. To come back up, Pat. Let's go. He's already he's already channeling those inner, inner Mahomes with those little sidearm sidearm. Shouldn't throws. Let's we go. get the better quarterback from my DC defenders and Cardale Jones? He's a statue. The, I like the, Cardale is dealing though. Like my guy is dealing. I'm just like <laughs> these all pretty, sound like bad players for a Super Bowl team, guys. Cardale is card dealing. <laughs> the Clan McLean asks three positions you believe the Chiefs will draft in the first three rounds. Uh, cornerback, linebacker, interior, offensive, no, wide receiver. Cornerback, linebacker, wide receiver. I'm going with the three that Matt was going to say. Cornerback, linebacker, interior, offensive line. Cornerback, linebacker, interior, offensive line. Those, But we just listed the four needs. Those are the four big needs. I think there's... It's going to be interesting. Like, there's there's a lot of things that can kind of go into play with this. You might be able to get value in the second round at cornerback, and you might be able to get value in the third round at receiver. So those are two things that I think will kind of be fascinating to monitor. It's going to be a crazy draft. I can't wait to see if there's any more draft capital added to the mix. Everything changes, too. Mm-hmm. Like, this, it's pretty early for this, but I do like some of the options that are available for the Chiefs. Whatever 22302 asks, what is your gut feeling about Patrick Mahomes' contract? Will he er- will he learn from what Tom Brady did with his contract, or will Clark have to back up the Brinks truck? All right. You two, take a seat. Rant Stout is Uh-oh. coming out here. Woo! This isn't directed directly at you, whatever, 22302. I'm seeing a lot of this. I hear a lot of this conversation about how Tom Brady consistently took pay cuts in order for the team to build around him. Let's take a look at it. Tom Brady was a late, late round rookie, and he was making next to no money in 2000. By 2002, he had won a Super Bowl. They gave him a small extension. I don't argue with that. I don't think anybody argues with that because he was a late round rookie and they were leaning on their defense. When they got to 2005, that's the point that people like to point to as he took less money there. He took about $4 million a year less than Peyton Manning, who was at the top of the game, basically, there. He was he was making the most money in the league. At that point, Peyton Manning was a three-time All-Pro. 
Peyton Manning was the number one overall pick. He had all these Pro Bowls. He had an NEA, which if you guys don't know, is a quarterback stat that puts passing yards, sack yards, passing touchdowns, and interceptions into one stat to try and capture the quarterback position as at the best that it can. He had an NEA averaging above seven and a half yards per attempt. That's very good. Patrick Mahomes on his career currently has one of eight and a half yards per, you know, attempt. That's very, very good. Tom Brady hadn't broken seven at all. By the time that he got his first contract, he was not considered an elite quarterback at that point. Sure, he had three rings, but he was not the linchpin. He was not necessarily the reason why they were going through and making all of this. So he got less money than the best quarterback in the league. When he turned around to get his next extension, he did make the most money of any quarterback in the league. He took the most that he possibly could in 2010. So this isn't a situation where Tom Brady intentionally took less until 2013. That's the first time where he was considered the GOAT, where he was considered at the top of his game that he took less money. He was 36 and in 2013, they built the TB12 Center right (laughs) next to Gillette Stadium. So even though he took less, he was definitely making more. And he was also married to his billionaire supermodel wife. Like his whole financial situation is completely different. Patrick Mahomes is the greatest young quarterback that we have ever seen. Ever. Ever. He is going to get paid the most in the league because he's the best in the league. That means he's going to get paid more than $37 million a year. This isn't a situation where he's going to take less to try and build the team. Now, he might restructure just like Tom Brady did in 2007 to bring in Randy Moss. You might see years that he restructures and tries to help the team out with the cap. That is for certain something that's on the table, but it's not a situation where Tom Brady intentionally took a lot less money until he was well into his career. That's when he started doing it. And that's when they were funneling money into a side project. I just, I just want to bust that narrative because I hear it all the time. Patrick Mahomes is not going to take less because Tom Brady took less when he was 36. Yeah, pay him everything. I have no qualms with it. Nobody should either. I think it's going to be absolutely ridiculous to expect or think that he should or would take less. This is the one chance that you get to give him all the money, and then you hope you get that good grace back later in his career, like Craig's saying, when he restructures to help the team in a specific difficult, tight cap year. You don't try to force that on him and his first big paycheck. Yeah, to pay him early, pay him a lot, keep him happy, Keep him in Kansas City for the next fifteen years. We get this. We get the Tom Brady friendly discount deal question a lot. We get Mahomes contract questions a lot. We get a lot of Chris Jones. We get a lot of Sammy Watkins right now. We're trying not to do too many of those every week because you don't want to hear the same thing over and over again. We try to keep some things fresh. So if you did ask those questions, that's why you're probably not hearing them again. You can go back and listen to us address a lot of these earlier. We're gonna take a break, and we will be back right after this. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. 
Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the future of work, a PropG Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropG Pod wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we are continuing to answer your questions from the Twitters, and we've got several more here. Wasted Motion asks, instead of wasting draft capital on a running back, why aren't we talking more about keeping Damian Williams past 2020 with an extension? He seems to be a perfect fit for a team that throws 65% of the time. So I, I think you could probably, if you want to add another year on a Damian Williams contract, I think you could probably do that reasonably. But here's the thing. You don't want to sink too many assets or too much, too many dollars into Damian Williams. And you don't want to sink too many assets, be it dollars or running back or, or draft picks into the running back position in general. They can get production out of a lot of different people. Damian Williams is a great fit for what they do. And Damian Williams was critical to the, to the stretch run. And he was great. They can find ways to piece together production for low cost. So if Damien Williams comes out next year and says, I want to get paid, you wish him the best. For instance, you just continue to churn through running back assets and don't spend too much on them. Yeah. You don't talk about extending him because he is, and this is in no way a knock on him, but in the grand scheme of the NFL, he's a just another guy at the running back position. You're not paying to keep him any more than you absolutely have to, because when the brakes fall off, they fall off quick for running backs. Damian Williams, he's a guy that's had injury issues. He hasn't played a full season, especially as a guy that's carrying the bulk of the carries or getting the bulk of the touches at running back for a guy. You want him in the rotation the way he's been playing, but I don't think that you want to saddle up any more guaranteed money or write him down any farther on the books than you have to. And unfortunately for all running backs, Damian Williams included, that's just the nature of the beast when you play a position that takes as many hits as they do. I'm not saying they don't look to bring him back afterwards, but to lock it in right now just seems like a bad way to go ahead and lock yourself into a couple extra years of paying him guaranteed money. Especially a speed back that would be 29. I, I just it, it, The NFL's cruel that way, but it starts to fall off. He's not going to be as useful in the passing game. Period. A lot of what he makes is his ability to use that speed in space. If he loses that speed, he his vision in between the tackles isn't good enough to make up for it. They would need to be adding a guy. I, I just wouldn't do it unless they absolutely had to after next season. C. Fletch Zero asks, looking into the 2020 season, what do you think will be the biggest game? The Patriots at Arrowhead or Chiefs at Ravens or any others? Those are those are really good ones. I'm going to go with uh, Chiefs traveling to New Orleans. I think that will be a big one as well. They're going to be a perennial contender. I, Chiefs have a tough schedule next year, guys. There's not a whole lot of cakewalks on it next year. I feel like it's been like a decade plus since the Chiefs have had a cakewalk schedule. I guess actually since Andy Reid's first year here, they have. it seems like they have not had a cakewalk schedule, which is good. It means you're winning. It just, it's been a rough go for the Chiefs. Um, I think it's going to be the Ravens. They are probably your number one contender within the AFC. You're going on the road to Baltimore. It's a difficult place to play. The Ravens want to beat the Chiefs because God bless, they certainly have not so far. And you know that is eating at them and their MVP quarter. 
quarterback just cannot get it done against Patrick Mahomes. So huh. both teams, I think, are going to want it there. I think that's just the one that everyone's going to be up for. I mean, you know, there's not a ton of cakewalks. Just any, just two games against Denver, two games against the Chargers, two games against the Raiders. Outside of that, there really isn't that many cakewalks. They play a lot of playoff teams and a lot of up-and-coming teams. Um, I think both the games that they just outlined are probably pretty critical, uh, especially at Baltimore, because I think Baltimore is going to be in the run for the one seed. Uh, New England's obviously going to be a tough one uh, as well, probably in week one <laughs> when the Chiefs uh, hang a banner uh, in in Bill Belichick's presence. It's going to be kind of dope. Uh, Chief Boy RDG asks, what's one schematic? What's what is one scheme or scheme slash tactic you want to see the defense or offense employ that you think will be great to use for the talent we we have on offense? I'd love to see us use the hurry up more often, like the Peyton Broncos. It seems pretty unstoppable every time we break it out. This is one of those questions that I probably should have read before now. I would like, I like what the Chiefs have done on defense. I like what Steve Spagnola, Brendan Daly have brought to it. I love all the stunts and everything that I think you even saw as the year went on. There was a lot more delayed blitzes. Something that I think I'd be more interested in and them just getting a little bit deeper into. And this is something that the Patriots I knew a lot of is fainting their blitzes. So I want to see some linebackers, especially Tyron Matthew, when he's lined up near the box, get two, three steps into a blitz, you know, a rush off the edge or up the middle and then drop back out into coverage, whether they're trying to slide underneath an underneath route coming in behind the area they're vacating, kick out into the flat. I think we've seen Patrick Mahomes get got by that a few times. I think just mixing in a few more of that with some of the higher IQ players the Chiefs have, those guys that really understand football, I think that's kind of the next step that you put on top of all the extra blitzing and pre-snap motion the Chiefs defense has been doing so far. You can tell Maddie and I talk about defense a lot because that was going to be part of mine, (laughs) but mine's from uh, Amoeba Fronts. Uh, for those of you who don't know, kind of like a positionless front. The way that Spagnuolo likes to use the defensive ends, you know, kicking them inside and stuff like that, their defensive ends stand up a lot. I get a lot of questions about, are the Chiefs playing a 3-4 this week? No, they just are playing guys from a two-point stance. The way that the, all those guys, all those defensive ends feel comfortable playing from a two-point stance, line them up. Stand them up. Stand the linebackers up as well. And then you can sim pressure from that. The offensive line doesn't know where it's coming from. It's it's truly a positionless front, and it allows you to float guys around. Do that on third and long. You really confuse protection schemes. I would absolutely love it. You can get a free rusher or two from a four-man rush from that sort of thing by simming pressure and bringing guys from varied spots throughout the game. I've been saying... I, I agree with Chief Boy RDG, actually. I've been saying this for two years. I, I would love for the Chiefs to play with a little tempo every now and then. Mix things up. Go a series of tempo. It's it's a great changeup. Patrick Mahomes is great at it. I think it stresses defenses. It gets them tired. Throw a little tempo in there. Play no huddle. And and, and I don't know if... you know Andy, I think it's, an, it's a control thing for Andy, frankly. Um, and I think it's always been. They don't use it until they need it. I would love to see them introduce a little bit more tempo. That'd be a lot of fun. The real K swag asks, what do you, th- who do you think will be QB two next year? Henny Moore, Shermer or someone else. I think they're going to bring back. Uh, I think they're going to bring back Matt Moore personally. Uh, that would be my guess. I don't think Kyle Shermer is ready yet uh, personally. And uh, I, I think you need another veteran presence in there. <laughs> Kent really just doesn't like Kyle Shermer, despite him just every time he gets out there looking like the next QB2 of the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, 
I think next year you are probably looking at one more year of a Chad Henney, Matt Moore type of backup, maybe somebody else the coaching staff trusts. But I do think that Kyle Shermer is going to be in the running because I think he is a player of that same mold, that he's a very smart football player. He understands offenses pretty well. I think he would be good for Patrick Mahomes to have on the sideline. And I'd rather start getting a younger guy in there rather than cycling through just 10-year vets. Captain Danny asks, how would you rank position groups based on players currently under contract? Okay, I don't want to go down the list because that's probably a little bit too much. But what I think we should do is let's just go ahead and rank the top three. Can't can't say quarterback. (laughs) Uh, Offensive tackle is going to be number one. Wide receiver right now has got to be up in there just because Sammy Watkins is technically still on the team. And... Safety. Oh, safety is probably closer to number one than I put it. I'm going to go safety, offensive tackle, and then I'm going to go defensive end, I think, because Oak Four still here under contract. Tano Passigno, Frank Clark. Uh, that's really good. I know wide receiver is really good, too, but I think it falls off pretty heavily after after Sammy Watkins. I'm going to go... The Pringle Shade. <laughs> it's a little bit of Pringle Shade. I'm going to go safety... Uh, because the Chiefs have the best safety do in the National Football League. Uh, tackle. And I want to just say tight end because I think because right now... Because you love Blake Bell. <laughs> just because Travis Kelsey's elite. Uh-huh. But that's like not... That's not fair. Um, it, it's... It, uh, Go, I'm gonna go wide receiver. I'm gonna take the easy. I'm gonna take the easy way out. I was trying. I was gonna try to challenge myself a little bit there, but I'm just gonna. I'm gonna take the Maddie out. Uh, <laughs> Galecki asks if Williams is ruled out at the one inch line. What do you think that the Chiefs do on fourth and goal, down three? They go for it. Andy Reid actually said in his post game presser that they were going to go for it. They had a call ready. If he did get called short, they were gonna go give that a shot. I love that. Um, that kind of just speaks to everything with with every with Andy Reid. You know, he's kind of changing narratives a little bit about him, and obviously he was going to kick that field goal early, but he wound up making the right decision and then giving us shift to Rose Bowl right parade. I'm all I'm on I'm on a rant about that. NFL film side on no, I'm going to go on the rant real quick. NFL films cannot translate football players or coaches. NFL films got. Holy Toledo, they translated Holy Toledo as holiday time. And then they tried to say that they're shifting the Rose Bowl. No, they're not shifting the Rose Bowl. They're shifting to Rose Bowl. They're shifting to the formation, which is Rose Bowl, right? The formation was Rose Bowl, right? The play was parade. I got really annoyed by that. Uh, the Chiefs got it right, though. They finally, they finally, three other listeners that are also very annoyed by this are giving you a standing applause right now. I know. I just I got really, really irritated by I that. I really love that everybody got a view <laughs> into what Kent rants about before the I, podcast starts. I tweeted. I, I was in the DMs with them when it happened. I was like, what is this shift the Rose Bowl? That is not football terminology. It's. Andy Reid does not tell people to shift the. He sells shift to. Motion into a formation. I'm sorry. Uh, you please you don't. offensive guys. <laughs> I know. We're really high maintenance. <laughs> Blake NFL Draft asks, Patrick Queen or Jeff Gladney? My thoughts is it's a deeper corner class, so go get a top linebacker first and hope a good corner falls. So... 
Cornerback is a vastly more important position than linebacker. The Chiefs only have two cornerbacks that have even seen the field under contract for next year. And I wholeheartedly agree that you would draft Patrick Queen over Jeff Gladney and look to get a cornerback at the end of the second round or trade back up if it's they start flying off the board simply because after Patrick Queen, assuming Kenneth Murray, we're going to put Patrick Queen, Kenneth Murray together. After those guys, like I just think you're looking at a lot more development in terms of an off-ball linebacker. My guy Zach Bond is an option, but if you don't love him at off-ball, then you have nobody else that's really going to be a game-changer at that position. Patrick Queen is your last chance. I think what you see every year is two to three off-ball linebackers that are really ready to step up and play in the NFL. After that, it becomes a crapshoot. You can get a corner a little bit later. I think the Chiefs have shown that they can do it with not top-tier corners, and I still think in this class you have a chance to get an upper-tier corner in the second round. Yep, totally agree with all of that. And a linebacker makes a giant ripple effect through the entire front it allows Steve Spagnuolo to do so much more than he was able to do last year. They were playing a Sam linebacker at will this year. That's how bad the linebacker position was. So, yeah, go out and get the linebacker. It makes more of an impact in this specific defense just because of the way that Steve Spagnuolo was able to operate. I uh, sweep it, and I'm, 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 I'm finally here, obviously. It, it took me a little bit longer than these guys. I am a little bit more stressed about the cornerback position and, and where these guys are going to fall, just kind of looking through some stuff. Um, there's obviously going to be a lot that changes in the next couple months as far as how the cornerback position lays out. If, someone, if someone's medicals don't come out great, if there's some off-field stuff that comes out on, on one or two of these guys, it could really make the situation a lot murkier for the Chiefs at the back in the second round at cornerback. But I think there's a lot of really good players here too. And I think there is a good chance that they're going to be able to, to, to still grab one. It's just the pickings may not be as as the pickings are going to wind up being a little bit more slim than I thought at cornerback in the back in the second round, I think, but I still think there's going to be a good player available there. If that makes sense. Uh, Gab, uh, Gabe Alejos asks if the chiefs trade Chris Jones for a late first round pick, do you see them keeping it so they can get two high end guys or do they trade it for multiple picks to shore up the depth? I see them keeping if they are getting a late first for Chris Jones, it's obviously higher than the Chiefs' number 32 pick, which they got because they won the Super Bowl, you guys. You, you love to see it. Yeah, love to see it. I would keep that one. If I'm going to trade back, I'm going to try and trade back from 32, maybe a small trade back or something like that. Try and pick up a later round pick. If you can get more, you know, if you can trade back to the middle of round two, still get a good corner. Like Kent was just saying, if you don't want to wait to the end of the second round to pick up your corner, maybe you can get your corner in the middle of the second round. Use that late second on an interior offensive lineman, wide receiver, something like that. That makes a lot of sense to me if you can do that. But Honestly, I'm fine with them using, you know, a, a late round pick and then pick 32. Just stay put. Take good players. Add talent. That's that's what you got to do. That's how good teams continue to rebuild. Those positions are going to be cheap. I, I mean, respectively there because they're at the end of the first round. So just go out and get your guy. I have absolutely nothing against that. I think most years I would push for keeping your higher picks so that you take better football players. I understand there's a whole, you know, more swings do better mantra in the NFL draft community. Just evaluate talent better and take the better players earlier on in the draft. I think, <laughs> I mean, it sounds simple and it's obviously not. It's just don't waste chances to take better players. That said, 
I have seen countless ways that this draft does not line up very pretty for the Chiefs to pick at E32. So if you get 27, 26, you get your linebacker and the board isn't falling how you want outside that. Yeah, drop back 10 picks, pick up another pick. You only have five at that point in time, six draft picks. You could use a couple more with as many holes as the team is going to have at that point in time. Uh yeah, so like I, I think I would take what I would do is whatever pick I get, I would take uh I would take the linebacker first and then I would see what the board looks like at thirty two for the cornerback situation. So I'd get my linebacker off the board and then just kinda of play it from there and see what kind of value. One other thought though, Maddie, and this is I'm going full Maddie here. You know, the Chiefs could probably get close to up to pick ten with two with two late firsts. So, I mean, if uh, if Jeff Okuda fell, if Jeff Okuda fell, if the NFL wants to get wild and let Jeff Okuda fall to pick ten, and then we'll all be clamoring for the Chiefs to trade up. Let's talk. Let's talk. The last time we we traded up to ten, it worked out. I think. Well, can anybody? It it worked out okay. It worked out all right. You know, it was it was decent. Uh, Snowman2168 asks, uh, the interior offensive line uh, best improved by the draft, free agency, or internally? Well, we're going to do an entire show to basically those three questions. Tune in later this week. We'll have a podcast doing a positional profile of the 2019 season for the interior offensive line and the outlook for the future. Be sure to check that out. We'll catch you later. Professional, 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 professional,